Vision Scope, a program designed to educate and inform on matters relating to disabilities. My name is Wilbert Williams. I'm glad you could join us for episode 37. To date, there have been four outbreaks of poliomyelitis in Jamaica. The first one was in 1954 and the second in 1957. The outbreaks in 1982 and 1984 were much smaller but still, they did considerable damage. Today, Nora is back with us, and she's going to give us some insights into her experiences as she coped with poliomyelitis. Let's listen to her and see how much we can learn. Today, I'm sharing with you how I cope with limitations caused by poliomyelitis. What is poliomyelitis? It is a virus that attacks the nervous system, resulting in paralysis of the limbs and also respiratory difficulties. Those of you who know me will realize that my right side is affected. I have a small right hand and foot. In the year 1957, Jamaica had its second outbreak of poliomyelitis. I am a victim. I can recall one day I was sent to school I was about eight years old. wasn't feeling well, but I didn't know what was happening to me. However, as the day progressed, I began to feel weak and I was having fever. When school was over, I could walk at home. And in those days, oh, there was no transportation running through to the district. It was underdeveloped. So I couldn't walk it home, but one of my schoolmates who was older than I was, she placed me on her back and take me home. The next day I was getting weaker, weaker, couldn't go to school. And I was at home for a few days. And each day I can remember my father would come and command me to lift up my right hand. By this time, the hand is already crippled, can't lift up, because he thought that I was hit at school by someone. So I had it hard to convince him. Anyway, about the fourth day, they decide, they decide that they're going to take me to the hospital, take me to the doctor the next day. But the night before, I went to bed. I wanted to get up. I couldn't get up by myself. I had to be assisted. And the next day, my, we had no transportation, as I said before, running through the district. So my mother padded the donkey and placed me on it. 
luckily God was good to me because although I was weak I didn't fall so she brought me to Linstead to the doctor and I didn't know what the doctor told her I, I thought I was going home and she said turned to me and she said you're not going home you know you're going to the hospital and there, there I was admitted and she, she left me and the next day I was sent off to KPH where I was placed in, the, in a tin hut where other polio patients were. There I received treatment because of course polio, that was, it was contagious. So I got treatment uh, with like hot, hot packs and so on until one day, I don't know, remember how long I spent there but it seems long. One day a patient said to me, we're going to Mona I didn't know what what she meant, but she said they're going to teach us to walk when we go there. So we were sent. I was sent off when I went to Mona, which is now known as Sir John Golden Rehabilitation Center. I was placed on a ward with other children, and I, you know, I saw, I I saw patients on crutches, legs in brace and all that and wheelchair which I it was a bit scary because I never seen disabled people anyway I became a part of them and I adjusted there I continued to receive treat my treatment physiotherapy hot pots going to the pool for exercise and I did improve oh I remember one day I realized I could sit up by myself and then another time I realized I could stand and then I realized I could walk that was a great joy for me and I never stopped walking even though there, were, there was a lot of pain my bones were pain in me I continued to walk I, that was good for me so there I really I, re, I improved and you know thought that all was well only thing I couldn't use my right hand at all so, but each time my father came, I think they had some guilt. He had a guilt because he felt that if he had taken me to the hospital earlier, I wouldn't have lost the use of my right hand. Anyway, that is behind me and, you know, I'm alive. Then I, after, after being rehabilitated, now I, they sent me home. And I was glad to go home because the only place I knew was home to be with my family. Well, then the first challenge, big challenge came. I realized everybody going to school, I can't go because I could not walk and there's no transportation. They had no money to board me out. So it was a big concern for my parents now. Sitting at home for about two years, not going to school can't read so one day my father said he didn't know what to do with me but he was going to go back to to Sir John Golden Rehabilitation Center and tell them of the difficulties I'm having and ask if they could readmit me and allow me to go to school there because there was already a school there on the compound for the children this was granted and I came back I, my real school life started at age 12. 
by this time common entrance and all that was out for me so anyway i i did well i i took the first jamaica local examination and after a while they sent me to a, another school in Papine, Papine Secondary, where I stayed there for two years and I took the JSC and graduated. Then I, I was given a job at the Polar Rehabilitation Center as a telephonist. I worked there for about two years and then I left there and I started my own life, you know, which was a little scary still because, you know, having live, been living a sheltered life where people decide what you do and what you don't do. But then I cope well because I stayed among the older people, which they helped to guide me, and that was good. Then I... I met Wilbert, we became good friends, and here we got married and started a family. I had three children, and about two years or so after, I was employed by the university hospital as a telephone operator. This is where I worked until I'm retired. Um, I think I cope very well because I was able to um, do my do my do my house chores and you know care for my family and so on. Then I also learned to drive using an automatic car. In those days, if you are going to learn to drive, disabled people would have to buy their own car and it had to be automatic. That I did and I got the license and I was able to move around, go where I want to go, do my shopping and so on. So I, I cope very well. Regardless, uh, what I learn is that you, in life, you have to know what you want. Don't make people put limitations to you. Do what you th you think is good for you. And ask questions. But just go ahead and do what you want to do. People will limit you because they think you you have a disability and you can't do that and you mustn't do that and they like they want to live your life for you. But just know what you want out of life. This I did. I want to thank all the people who helped me to carry on with my life and help myself. Um, I, I want to give appreciation to the late Sir John Golden, Matron Liria Pringle, and Sammy Enrique, late, and Sammy Enrique. They were instrumental in running the rehabilitation center for us see that we were all right as polar patients and I want I also want to give um thank the doctors in my life who who helped me to get well and then of all I want to thank Wilbert my husband 
who guided me along too. I got married when I was young and you know, he helped me along. I was not bullied, but you know, he guided me too. If I was doing if I was going the wrong way or doing the wrong thing, he would say, Don't do it that way, do it this way. So I I really want to thank him and God bless you, Wilbert. Thanks for the years. We have been together for a long time. So I wish you God's richest blessing. And to say again, I love you. That's it. That's it for today. Join me next time when we will present another in the series, Vision Scope. Music was provided by Rennie Williams, Jr. Thank you.